Welcome everyone to another episode of Four Layer Takes. This will be a special edition episode because our very own Mimi has written her very first novel and it is called Songs of Lost Things, Sonata for the Sun, a novel by Monica McCullough. She's a whole author out here, people. <laughs> I will add, she is not only the author, but she is also the cover artist. Yes, for her sir. Book. Yes, sir. And the art for the book is beautiful. So if you Thank purchase you. the book, not if you purchase, no. When you purchase the book, and Monica will tell you when, where to purchase, you are not only going to get the book, but you're also going to get an original piece of art. So this is, it's a beautiful, beautiful art cover. So welcome, everyone. I'm your girl, Kim. It's me, Mimi. Also, uh, Monica McCullough. <laughs> <laughs> This is your boy Marcus, aka praying for peace for every Palestinian and Israeli. Um, also, shout out to our girl Mel who can join us this evening. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to go into that. Well, maybe or maybe not. <laughs> I, I stand with, let's just have peace and quit killing babies and women. And let, like, it's just a whole lot over there. But anyway. Right, we're not right. We're not going in all the way there today. <laughs> yeah, for the already, purposes, we got a lot to discuss. Yeah, and for all the right. purposes of this episode, I stand with Monica and I stand with Lavender. Mm-hmm. So y'all are probably like, "Who is Lavender?" Let me tell you. So, in the book, on the back cover, it goes, "The summer Lavender turned twelve. She was eager to dip her toes into the world of makeout sessions." with her school crush and misdeeds with her best friend in their raucous neighborhood. Her father had other plans. He wanted to continue cultivating her gifted musical mind and nudge her towards applying for the local arts magnet program. Instead, Lavender will be cast into an unrecognizable world where she fights to recognize, oh, fights to maintain her sense of self, connection to her music, and place inside her family dynamics. Later, as a woman who never reckoned with her, how much herself she relinquished in her tumultuous youth, Lavender meets someone who reminds her of what she's surrendered. Upended in unexpected ways, she will also confront ghosts from her past who could potentially topple the meager structure she's managed to build. Will she reemerge from it all with her full self? stable, whole, and accepting of love? Or will she fall back into the cycle of poor habits and questionable choices that persisted and framed her reality for decades? So like I said, I stand with Mimi and I stand with Lavender, (laughs) the main character of the book. So how this episode will go is that we're going to have a spoiler-free section. In the spoiler-free section, Marcus and Kim will be asking Monica McCullough some questions. Then we'll have a spoiler section where there are some fans of the book who will be joining in on the podcast and they'll be having a conversation about the book. So 
get ready. The first one to spoiler free. Then we'll do a spoiler section. We'll let you know when the spoiler section has started. You might be like Kim and don't care nothing about spoilers. And we'll fade <laughs> all the way to the end of the book or the end of the movie and go backwards. If that's you, you can stay on, no problem. <laughs> if not, once we say spoilers, you can cut off and come back once you've purchased the book and read the book. Yes, come back, come back. Come back, come back and revisit this podcast. So Mimi, is there anything you want to say or you want to just jump right on into questions? We can can jump right in, you know. (laughs) All right. Well, Marcus, why don't you take the first question? You want to take the first question? I guess... Um, so Mimi, we were talking about this book earlier this summer, and I guess you were, I guess you were trying to get my wife to do the audio book for it because I guess she has Creole background. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess jumping back to it, and I guess if you could rehash it and re- refresh me, just what inspires you to write this book? Um, this character, I guess, and this story um somewhat not in this final form but this this story somewhat has just kind of been living rent free in my head since high school just mm. you know i day day i daydream a lot i've always daydreamed a lot especially now as when i was younger and just kind of envision this this woman who was just like a badass guitarist or 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 just a badass in some particular area and but just never uh, seem to reach that potential just because life shit happens. And um, I think this is kind of like when I started getting pulled into just in like being a fan of stories of flawed characters, flawed people, particularly women who, you know, they make bad choices. They, uh, they can kind of maybe do people wrong at times, but you understand why, because they've had um, traumatic things possibly happen to them. And like, you know, people just deserve grace. People deserve being heard and listened to. So I guess from that idea and wanting to give humanity to Mm -hmm. people who are oftentimes uh, overlooked or, people, you know, shun them and look at them like, you know, you're not doing anything or you're not living up to what you could be or should be doing. Um, just trying to, I guess, give them humanity or give them a story. And in turn, I kind of feel like, oh, I hope it uh, gives humanity or gives a story to, you know, large swaths of people who endure bullshit and can't have therapy and don't have those things in life that kind of help them to make that turn or whatever or the turn we think they should make gotcha and I guess I kind of saying I guess when we first met and when I first met you I mean I knew you were an artist but I didn't know I didn't know you, this, you were a writer as well like you mentioned daydreaming and just having a story in your spirit since you were in high school like even from the first page like the how descriptive you were like I kept saying when she woke up that morning um, to her mother and her father and that whole entire situation and that was going on, like not the not to say like I've experienced something like that, but like I could definitely do the descriptive writing. Like, I mean, like it reminded me of, like Alex Haley or like um, 
I hate to say like oh. Ernest Hemingway. Ernest <laughs> Hemingway. But oh. like the, the way you like clearly <laughs> painted this picture of what was going on, like you, I couldn't help but like be e- immediately immersed into the situation. So like, I, I just, I like, I knew it's one thing to like be able to draw descriptively, but I think to be able to write descriptively is a whole nother level. And I think you painted that picture very well with words. Oh, well, the whole entire thank book. You. I would agree with that also too, Marcus. It is like very descriptive. And I think it goes to what you were saying about humanity, right? And so when you read the book, you feel this character is actually not fictional. Like you feel like this is a real human person. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you, Marcus, on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm not a. I am not and never have been a adolescent or teenage girl, but like I you definitely helped me empathize with uh lavender. <laughs> right. lavender, lavender and like guess like I said, that coming to coming of age process. Uh I guess my follow-up question was like, so lavender the character, is lavender like a personal thing or is lavender like you say you've had spent what 20 30 40 years your whole entire life daydreaming about this character like is this like a personal character or just like something you kind of cultivated and crafted over the past time it yeah i just kind of cultivated her like like i said in high school i just kind of envisioned like this this woman this young woman who is like dope at uh music and what she does um but you know, again, she she has her issues, and what what would that story be, or what would what would that story look like of this this woman I vision? So, and I guess over those years, it just kind of I just kind of built upon that. Um, like at first, you know, when I was younger, I started writing it as a novel, and then I changed my mind at one point and, and tried to start writing it as a screenplay. I even went to a screenplay, a screenwriting seminar. Mm. Um, and then I, and then I scratched that and then went back to writing it as a novel just cause I felt like I would have more control as a novel. Cause then I could write it how I want to release it when I wanted to blah, 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 blah. So, um, so yeah, it was just something like over years that kind of cultivated, like you said, the, the character and the story. So, well, look, don't sell yourself short because I already said this is going to be a screenplay. Oh, I absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I already said that when you mentioned about writing this book and that you were going to have four layer takes, be consultant writers on the thing. I already said this. <laughs> so when this book gets optioned as a screenplay or okay. it will turn into a movie or a series, um, one of the things that you did so well in the book is that each chapter has uh, a musical <laughs> t- song. <laughs> to right. When you open the book, the first chapter, each chapter has a song. So where did that come from? And also, again, the name of the book is called Songs. So that should tell you there'll be some, there's music. Right. And so where did that come from? Um, like, I just kind of, in my head, I was just kind of hear music that went with uh, a tone of a particular <laughs> part of the story. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I did, and sometimes I did. 
And I mean, I at first I wasn't going to put that in there because I was just kind of like, oh, that's that's cheesy. You know, the name is songs. It's about it has a lot to do with music. That's cheesy. I ain't going to do that. But then I was like, I mean, I never write. I mean, I ever write another book. So, you know, F it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put it in there. Whatever. This is what I wanted to do. <laughs> so um, that's kind of where that came from. And it's not even really some, some of the chapters. And I don't have a book in front of me, uh, like I was telling them earlier. But some of the chapters are, uh, I mean, some of the songs that I write at the beginning of chapters are, they really, really correlate with things yeah. that go on in the chapter. And some, they all correlate, but some correlate from a more abstract place. Like some are just songs that give you an idea of the year that it was because it was it was a song that was popular and it dropped in that year and it kind of relates to something going on in the chapter and then other songs are more direct with stuff that's going on in the chapter, chapter yeah um yeah so i i wasn't trying to like uh spoil i definitely wasn't trying to spoil what was going on in the chapter by like putting the song title of like this is you know this song is directly like what's gonna happen in the so it's just kind of like a vibe, I guess, for that particular moment in the story, or it points to a particular era. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes yeah, it's tongue and cheek. Yeah, sometimes it's tongue, tongue and cheek. Uh, a, a couple of them are. <laughs> well, let me just say this. If you are a fan of hip-hop, R&B, jazz, you see the jazz, uh, funk, when you see the names of the songs on each chapter, you get excited to read the chapter. So, I got, <laughs> you're like, oh, oh, this chapter, co- oh, we got, oh, we got some Jodeci? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> we got some yeah, portrait. Yeah. Now, y'all know portrait ain't, we don't know, you know, we got some of that, <laughs> we got some. You look and you're like, well, okay. It makes you excited to read the chapter. No, nah, I mean, what is it? Beyonce followed by Tupac followed by Ella Fitzgerald. So, yeah. I, I guess... Yeah. The, the, I mean, the, we got Alabama Shakes. Exactly. The uh, I guess yeah. the songs for each... The songs for each chapter were, were like, did you pick those deliberately or were like somebody, was like somebody else helping you cultivate this playlist? No. I, like I said, I picked them deliberately and again, some of them are tongue-in-cheek. Um... Some of them point to, uh, again, the year. I'm, a year I'm kind of referencing, like, if I'm... Um, one of the chapters is around 2015, 2016-ish. And, uh, or that's what I envision the year or the time as being. And then one of those chapters is a, a popular song that dropped that year, but also in part of that chapter, um, a portion of that song is kind of mentioned so that's what i mean why some of it is kind of tongue-in-cheek some of it is pointing to this is the year or the time frame i'm talking about and then some of it is more emotional um and dealing with like the tones and the emotion of that chapter or that part of the story Mm -hmm. so i mean it was deliberate deliberate like it was just kind of like a vibe i'm just like vibing of how i'm picking it (laughs) well speaking of a playlist now i got another idea so now we need a playlist that accompanies (laughs) the that accompanies the book so that you can get into the whole vibe so i don't know if there's already a curated spotify playlist that you want to share with the people 
But I, I did. It's um I posted it on um Instagram. I think I posted it on my Facebook, but I know I posted it on Instagram uh, a week or so back. And it's uh I mean it's songs of um lost things if you look at it on um Spotify. But if you follow me uh at Moni underscore shy writer on Instagram, um it should be like a couple weeks and I can like put it back in stories or something when this episode drops so that it's kind of fresh and yeah um it's a link to spotify and it's like the full playlist chapter by chapter and then it's a couple of i think maybe three or four songs that relate or are mentioned in the chapters that i kind of added in but every chapter um every chapter that has like a song at the in the beginning is like listed and and, and it's in order so all right well, I don't have any more questions that are not spoilerific. I had so. two more. I had two more questions. Spoilerific. All right. <laughs> All right. You mentioned you mentioned that there's going to be like artwork to come as well, and I guess mm-hmm. we may, maybe that's a question for the end. But I just when can people expect the artwork for the book? Um, I have some art pieces on my website in the shop. And that's monicamccullough.com. But if you go to the shop, I have uh, some art pieces of, and you haven't, I, I know you haven't gotten to this part of the story yet because you like halfway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of it's one of the characters that will be later on in the story. Um, he's kind of prominently featured in the shop right now. But also, I, I'll have available like my cover art. I've already had somebody buy the cover art without the the smoking part because not everybody wants the, the cigarette part. Uh, <laughs> he bought a print for his uh, he bought a print for his wife, and so you know she just wanted the lavender playing the guitar. So I I have that version up, but I have a version of like the exact cover art that's for sale as a print and um, without the cigarette, and then I have. A couple of more pieces. One is almost finished, and then I have another one um, of a an important woman in Lavender's life that both of y'all Kevin. are at already. Yeah. Well, no, y'all have y'all have y'all have met her, but um, okay. that's coming later. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, I did have one more question. Bam! <laughs> Look at me coming up with stuff. So, <laughs> Marcus mentioned that you wanted to do an audio book and that you wanted the narrator to be someone who had some Creole background who could speak in that dialect. So mm-hmm. to say that in the book, um, Lavender and her family have a rich background. Yep. You want to share some about uh, Lavender's familial background? Now, oh. giving a spoiler away, but just like her ethnicity, her culture, and why that's important to the book. Okay. Um, well, she is a quarter Lakota um, of the Oglala tribe. Um, her father, uh, well, his mother, so her grandmother um, was Lakota and, and Black, so Lakota and Black indigenous. And like I mentioned briefly, but, uh, you know, it's like you can put a pin in it because it's a part of the overall themes of like lost things about how um, uh, some of that culture or much of that culture was lost 
older generation is not just <laughs> not just because of her and her and her father and them being black and moving away yeah. or whatever, but due to Indian boarding boarding schools, boarding schools which yeah. we which we know happened. Yeah. Right. The whole the whole American government sanctioned idea of uh, save was it save the save the savage something like ki- that kill kill the yeah kill the indian or save the man something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. um where you would you know uh, uh similarly to how they did the african slaves when they brought over here remove all the culture remove the name the religion it was like against it was against the law to practice indian um customs and and stuff like that like all the way up to like the mid 20th century so for a, a while and just so much of that was lost over time and again you know that just kind of plays into the whole thing that i'm saying of themes that i'm saying of you know like lost culture lost uh, opportunity lost economics and and all of that and just over time and some of those things you can't get back but then some of those things are that we should be fighting for and we're and are worth fighting for and you can you know get back that sense of identity and who you are um but again like with lavender she's just kind of like a stand-in or an example of that part of loss and um for her at least much of it was gone forever um and not for everybody but like she's an example of somebody where that that culture and that line mm-hmm. to that history was kind of lost forever so and i guess All i right. did i did have one more question um i know i noticed i know this wasn't easy uh like you say like you say it's kind of you've been like you say you've been talking about it or thinking about it for your whole entire life but from like actual pen to paper to where we are right now how long has it been like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to to write the whole thing, write the whole thing. Uh, uh, you like to find a publisher to launch it, to promote it, and everything. Ooh, I mean, we really gonna tell my age. So again, like I said, <laughs> the, the the picture of this woman starting in high school, and 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 maybe because I'm like a visual artist, you know, I visualize stuff and then paint it, blah blah blah. So I visualize her, and then this story kind of follows. So, it, you know, it was over 10 years. <laughs> I don't want to say, hey, like, I don't want to say, like. No, no, it, uh, it, I mean, it, no, I'm like, thank you for the clarity. Thank you for the clarity. Like, this isn't something that you, like, like, just started. This wasn't an idea that you had just that popped up during the pandemic. Like, I want to write a book. No. No, no, no. Like, um, and it, it's kind of hard to, to, quantify that because like the the finished story isn't is like in many ways different from how I thought of it in high school because I mean I was just a kid so I had no life experience (laughs) you know like life experience has added to it so in some ways it's almost a completely different story from them but this character has been there that whole time so I say this story in the form that it's in now probably was 10 years even though she's been in my head longer than that if that makes sense well anyway i like i say i love it 
I like I say, I'm only about halfway through. I can't wait to finish it. Um, but yeah, Kim, take it away. So now we are going to move to the spoilerific part of this episode. So if you are not interested in being spoiled, now is your time to leave, go get the book, read the book, and come back to this episode so that you can get all of the spoilers. Now, if you're like me, like I said, you don't care. You're going to read the end of the book and go forward anyway. <laughs> so you could stay. Uh, but either way, if you're ending the podcast here, Mimi, please tell everyone where they can go find the book, where they can follow you, where they can get the playlist. Okay. Uh, the book is on Amazon. Um, Songs of Lost Things, Sonata for the Sun, Monica McCullough. So you can get it on Amazon or, and it's an ebook or paperback or um, hardcover actually, but um, the hardcover version I'm working on now is the one I'm going to really push later. So uh, anyway, that's probably information you need to know. But so yeah, you get on Amazon there or uh, you can get a signed copy what? to my website. Yeah, you go to my website and that's monicamccullough.com. So monicamccullough.com, you get a signed copy. It's a, it's a few dollars more because I don't have, well, it's signed for one thing, but I don't have the uh, distri- distribution capabilities on my own as Amazon. So it's a little bit more. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have known that. I, I gave Jeff Bezos the money. I mean, that's fine. All of because when you purchase from Amazon, uh, you know, that counts. You know, when people are like, New, New York Times bestseller, a bestseller, blah, blah, blah. They count it like that. And then you can also leave reviews as a verified customer or purchase purchaser or whatever if you buy from Amazon. So um, it helps me either way. I mean, that's it's all good. Um and I can, and I know you personally. We here, we here in Atlanta. I can just ride through there and sign yours. So it's Appreciate like, it. right. So, <laughs> all right. Well, again, thank you all for the first part. Now we're going to get into the spoilers. We have two guests who um, were advanced readers uh, who can give a great perspective on the book. We have Jess and Christina. So this is where Kim is going to step away. And Marcus too, probably. We'll be here, just not leading the conversation. Um, And this will be a conversation with Monica McCullough, Jess and Christina. So welcome, Christina. Welcome, Jess, to Four Layer Takes. Hello, y'all. (laughs) Uh, um, first of all I am grateful that uh, you all agreed to be art readers I appreciate it so very much Um, just as a fellow author knows how hard it is to get art readers (laughs) and everything and yeah and so I'm grateful um, that y'all you know agreed to that and then read it and I'm also happy that it resonated with you all too. So I'm happy to jump into this discussion is more in-depth part of the podcast where we get into like things and, and people we hated, 
people we <laughs> loved and all of that. So <laughs> I am, I am feel all of a sudden like I'm in English class and I have to <laughs> think about what were the themes and the overarching whatever. All right. <laughs> well, just uh, Jess and Christina, just what are your overall impressions of the book? How, what were your thoughts? How did the book make you feel? Um, um, just your overall impression. Um, for, for me, I, I went into it blind. Um, when she sent over the art copy, it was, this is my book. I didn't know what it was about. I knew it was Lavender's story, but I tried not to spoil myself. Um, so I had no clue what I was stepping into. Uh, and when I stepped into it, it was not what I expected in, in some of the best ways. Um, so it, it resonated from deep within my core, I guess you could say. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia, so New Jersey was close enough to the point where the slang was right. Um, I walked into an immersive world that was always there and that would always be there. Um, spoilers, uh, when when that world changed, it felt like it was happening to me. Um, I was so, it took me two days to read the book in total. Like I was grabbing minutes between work and other commitments, but it was it was a page turner. It was a quick read, and it was so easy to fall into it. No matter what else I was doing, it was like let me get back to this and and let me see if I can if I can get to the the bulk of what's about to happen because I, I couldn't predict it. So my first thoughts were, wow, I I'm shocked um, for this to have been uh, Mimi's first book. I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> I, I if you would have told me it was her debut novel, I would have been like, you know, bullshit. Um, but <laughs> It was it was beautifully written. It was paced well. It was all of the themes were there were so many. Um, they all correlated with each other and they told a story of their own. The the music told a story of their own, you know, each song hit in a different way. Um, even the smut was it was classy. I was like, Oh, she's going <laughs> she just gonna get it in. Okay. Um, was, yeah, I, I enjoyed all the adult themes, all the non adult adult uh-huh. themes, all the all the black community themes, all of the we're still fighting these same fights no matter what themes. It was it was beautiful. And even how it came together at the end, I wasn't disappointed. I just knew it would be more of the same. And that in itself was a theme. This will continue to go this way um, for these people, for our people. Uh, it was it was beautiful. I, I loved it a lot. Oh, thank you. I almost spilled a tear. Oh, I'm never going to be able to top what Jess just said. <laughs> she said it just like so perfectly and eloquently. It was a beautiful book. I. Um, I think you sent it to Matt, my husband first, and he did want me to say, it's not that he doesn't love you. He just is a really slow reader. <laughs> He's so, I, I know like, Matt will. Yes. slow. Right. And so um, he asked, he sent it to me and he was like, you're a much faster reader. And so um, I was able to, to get through it a lot quicker than he ever would have been able to. But um, it was so easy to read in terms of like, um, it kept me in like, I was, yeah, like Jess said, like a page turner. I wanted to know what happened next. And, um, just like, like so beautiful to see, like, I I guess you just like, you described the heartbreak so well and just all the things that were breaking Lavender's heart and like also breaking the reader's heart, I think, because we were all rooting for her. Um, and 
yeah, I like I said, I can't top what Jess just said, but I, I thought it was a beautiful book. I was also absolutely shocked that it was your first book. I never would have guessed that if somebody, you know, had handed it to me and I didn't know you. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was so well-written and I, I'm sure you are, but I hope you're very proud of it. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I am. And it's also surreal, <laughs> you know, for it to be in my head so long. And then it's like, well, here's, you know, she's here and this is it. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, and like Jess and uh, Christina, like I said, they're further along in the book than I am. But like I say, just going back to even the pages that I read, like the the, the, the description, like I, it was truly, truly, truly descriptive. Like, and I was, I guess one of my questions should have been like, I know people who aren't writers that often are writing books for the first time. They have like a person that helps to like formalize their thoughts and put them down on the page. But like you say, you did this by yourself and that's even more amazing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, but uh, you know, it's, it's been in my head a while. So I, yeah. I almost feel like the, the world was real or whatever. <laughs> so like, you know. <laughs> Well, I also love a I love a book that's set in like where I live too, and so I live yeah. in Montgomery, and that was really cool to like. I did feel like you did a really good job of like the world building, so I understood. I mean, obviously, I live here, so I understood that aspect of it, but I just I felt like I was really connected in that way. All right, and the the funny part is, I was gonna say the funny part about Montgomery and stuff like that is that I think it drops. A couple of weeks after the riverfront thing, and I and I had mentioned the riverfront at one point. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, we're like on the map for real, for real. People gonna be like, okay, everybody knows going. us now. <laughs> right. So anyway, well, I was gonna say, let's talk about the world building. Let's talk about Lavender and them and her family and where all they been. So we have Alabama, we have Newark, we have um, the Dakotas. So let's talk yeah. about let's talk about some of that that world building and like what made you select those locations or places. Um, Newark. Well, obviously, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama, so mm-hmm. like that has a special place in my heart. Hey, Newark. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, you you kind of from there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but Newark, uh, because. Due to the Great Migration uh, in the in the late '60s, um, for Black Americans, a large portion of my family, even though we're from Montgomery, uh, is situated in Newark. So it's like eighty percent of us is in Montgomery, or well, yeah, seventy-five, eighty percent of us is kind of like in Montgomery and in, in, in the South, and then a good 15% is like Newark. So that's where it split. So a lot of this is just kind of playing, paying homage to my family and the story that I know that my mom, you know, told me coming up because she had uh, a hard time. Like that that's a book that needs to be read. My mother is one of 11 siblings. They grew up in mm-hmm. West Montgomery uh, you know, in the during the civil rights era and all of that. So this is me paying homage to to that history and, you know, familial situations and stuff like that. So that's how Newark and Montgomery got in there. And then as far as like 
the Dakotas and all of that, that was just kind of um, because I just in reading and researching, mm-hmm. I knew that that had uh, a big presence or that's where a lot of that tribe in Lakota is located and situated in uh, like the um, uh, the Indian uh and I'm not looking at the book, but the res- the reservation there where that's near that Air Force base. And that's real. Like, that's real in mm-hmm. real life if you look it up. Um, so just researching that and then my personal background. So Pine, Pine Ridge, that's what it is. Sorry. And <laughs> looked at it in a minute. Yes, go ahead. So, Jess and Christina, tell us about Lavender and them. Tell us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how Tell they us felt. About them. That's, that's exactly how they felt. They felt like people you knew. Um, they felt like people that you grew up with. They felt like people in your family. They felt like people with those struggles. Uh, I liked Lavender a lot as a child because she was uh-huh. way ahead of her time, picking up on some of the things that her parents um, uh-huh. were going through. Uh, even mm-hmm. like that that first, that very first scene of how her father and her mother interacted, yeah. and he was frustrated with her addiction. It was, mm. I've seen that. I've seen that happen in my community. I've seen, you know, I've had aunts, I've had cousins who, who struggled and they kept coming back trying to get better. And it just, it wouldn't happen until it was time. And the first, the very first scene that, that, that was depicted in the book, I was immediately transformed. It was, oh, wow. Okay. I got to sit down. This is intimate. This is, this is close um, to some things that I didn't realize it would be close to. So I loved her as a child because she was, she was very wise and, she also thought she was old enough to engage in things that she shouldn't have. Um, mm. But coming back to that, as, you know, when when shit hit the fan, and um, this is a spoiler version, right? This is yes, a, yes this is okay. spoiler. You can spoil everything. Okay, when when her daddy got shot, um, mm. and everything was snatched away from her, she she couldn't stay in that cocoon of I'm I'm old enough. I can do this. I, I'm I'm a grown up. This happens every day. She had to to get outside of that. And then when she got thrust into Alabama, um, I've never been to Alabama before uh, Mimi's book signing. I, I like I I probably like drove adjacent because I'm close to it in in Douglasville where I live at. But I've like I've never really gone into Alabama and to go from that shift of city living and and you get down south and, and things slow down quite a bit. It's drastic and it's terrifying and it takes you all of your element if you are a city person. So even the transition to Alabama, that that fight of I'm not going to have faith in this woman, my mother, because she ain't coming. I I know, I know. And that 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 over and over and over again, it, it touched me in a way that that's a child telling themselves that I'm not getting anything for Christmas. That's a she she was still mm-hmm. stuck in that 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 place. Um so as she grew up with all the the hate that she had for her situation, um, she still became this adult that fell into some of those same tropes. So I, I really like Lavender because you, you as a child, you always get one or two things. I want to be just like my parents and I want to do the things that they did because they had that great example. Or I want to be so far from my parents that I run away from it, but I still become that. And that that story was so well ingrained in all of the storytelling that I was yeah, I, I just couldn't I couldn't 
not think about Lavender. I could not think about her looking after her brother. I could not think of mm-hmm. her hating her brother's fiance, but loving her nephew. I couldn't, <laughs> you know, all of those things where it was just way close to home. And it was, she felt like family. Everything that was happening to her felt like it happened to someone close to me before. And I, and I know what those feelings felt like. So I love Lavender because she was someone I could connect with and someone that I could get the reasoning behind and it was realistic. So yeah, I love, I love Lavender and her grandma. Her grandma was also, oh, I know child is yes. it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And even when the, the grandmother, yeah. yeah. When the grandmother stands up to the, um, the, I guess he's not an uncle, but the, um, yeah, yeah, her daughter's person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I was just like, yes, get him. <laughs> like, she was so fierce in that moment. I love the grandmother. Yep. Yeah. Yes, yes. I and that's that's what felt like home. And and even the friend the friend the friend that, that gave her the amplifier. Is it Titus? The Mr. Titus yeah. Coleman? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Titus Bynum. There we go. Him. I had a friend like that that taught me how to write. So to know yeah. that, you know, you have these stewards of art that come into your life and give you that time mm-hmm. so that you can heal through that art is is beautiful. And the biggest question I think I had about the whole story uh, for Mimi, uh, for Monica, Miss McCullough, I don't know what name we're going by. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> do you play the guitar at all? No. I couldn't tell. Okay. That's, that's what I, that was the other thing. It was, I can write a whole bunch of stuff as an author. I can make it as realistic as possible, but sometimes you can still tell that I have no clue what I'm talking about. There was no time <laughs> in the entire book where I was like, she don't know what she's talking about. She don't even, she don't even play the string. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't tell me otherwise. So even, even that, uh, like, yes, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I, I, dabbled with trying to teach myself um guitar years ago and i and i and the reason um bob marley's redemption song is in here is because that was the one song i learned (laughs) other than that that, no i know i just researched it i talked to different guitarists that i had access to that i know i'm just like is this right? Does this sound right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. And then I just, you know, I research, I people watch, I do a ton of people watching, and that's what I got. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That was beautiful. I, the the moments where she got to play, and then you felt the room get quiet, and it was just like yeah. I'm reading. I shouldn't be able to hear this room. I shouldn't be able to feel mm-hmm. that that art coursing through veins and the oh she's she's a magnet to to my attention right now so the the fact that you got that out was also it was wonderful um so yeah no i i really like the book i like the book the book uh the, the book signing was awesome walking into montgomery um i brought my kid with me and we went to a playground and he met some some kids from montgomery he played with them it was just it was hilarious to see because it was it even tied that that world into my experience. It was this is Alabama. All right. I, yeah. I, I, thought was, I thought it wasn't anything here. I didn't you know, I thought it was heat and in a whole bunch of porch sitters. I didn't know that it was what it was. And it was it was beautiful. Um so yeah, no, it was everything about it tied it tied in and even those themes. I'm gonna stop talking so um Christina can talk. Uh, but but yes <laughs> 
I, I really enjoyed it. You have so many book. good I, things I to say. It, yeah. it was, it's beautiful. I, I'm really proud of her. I have no business being proud for anybody else, but I am. She did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on what Jessica was saying about um, the mom. So I like this is a little like, I don't know, it's a little personal, I guess, but like I grew up with a parent who struggled with drinking. And so like, ah, oh, man, I wanted... I wanted that mom to get out of that so bad. I just, I felt that like in my bones, you know, mm-hmm. and um, man, did I want her to get right for those kids? And she just couldn't. And it's it, in the end she did. And I was, but like so much, she had missed so much, you know, and it just, it really just, it just really broke my heart. And fortunately my parent is on the road to recovery much sooner than it's her mother got there. But, um, yeah, it's just, it was really, that was, that was a, um, a piece that really spoke to me was that piece. And, and then it was really hard. I mean, I loved lavender too, and it was, but it was really hard to see her repeat the mistakes or, um, I guess maybe not the mistakes of her parents, but, but to not, um, have that, that the the parent who was like really guiding her because her father was gone and her mom wasn't able to be there and her grandmother was just doing the best she could and uh, um you know work and take care of these children and um yeah I mean like it's just it, of course things happen like she sneaks over to the boy's house and you know um uh, the sexual health educator in me was very happy to see the condom usage. <laughs> I was like, yay! Yes, yes. yes definitely. Even though you're like, oh man, I wish she wasn't doing this, but you know, right? Um, at least I guess she had some agency in it. Um, uh, yes. versus not having the agency later with the uncle um, stand-in. Um, and man, I knew he was. I knew there was. I I couldn't predict a lot of the book, but I knew something was right. off about him from the jump. Like I just knew, I knew that he was no good, and something wasn't right about him getting her that guitar. And um, yeah, I just I had a sense that he wasn't going to be good news for her. So, um, so that was really heartbreaking too. But I mean, she just she was an amazing character. Um, I really loved I loved her, and I was so sad that at the end. I mean, I was I was pretty sad that she didn't end up with the the guy, the teacher. Um, I really did want them to work it. Well, you out. know, it's it's, it's okay to leave those Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. could have um, reconciled after the book ended, and so I, that's that's okay. Everything can't close up with a pretty bow on the top, you know. That's that's not life, but um, yeah, I I really loved her. Yeah, well, thank and, you. I, I will say that. Um, oh, go ahead, just. I was just going to say plus one to the to the teacher. Um, I liked him a lot, and I I read it the opposite that they had to work back to that trust that he that she broke ultimately, just like mm-hmm. her mom did. Um, you know, at the end, her and her mom were on that road, and I think yeah, that same theme was with the teacher. She had to learn how to be loved. Um, 
without yeah. all the bad toxic stuff and he was ready to give that to her but then she did something toxic and now she has to learn from that mistake but i saw them together even if it was 10 years down the road she she would find her way yeah. back to him um so yeah. i was like this is oh my gosh this is a love story it was i didn't even know yeah. that and then it was just like oh wait it's a soap love story oh wow this I see you. Um, so it was, yeah. But <laughs> I, I liked him a lot. I liked, I liked the teacher too. I, I wish, yeah. I wish they would have. I wish she would have gave in to him a little bit earlier. But yeah. yeah. Oh, and the brothers. I was just gonna say the brother's wife um, really made me angry too, and I really wanted him to stand up for her, um, for his sister, for Lavender. And I mean, even that is so difficult. Like. Um, that's a, such a tension with family and, you know, I'm married and, um, get, it's really a tension. Like that's the mother of your children and you have to, you know, respect what she wants. And also like, I don't know, like lavender didn't deserve that. And so I, in, in my opinion, she didn't deserve that. And, um, so that was, that was tough too. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that, um, the their mother that when I'm asked is this like a uh, a personal story or whatever whatever it, it's not but um the mother situation some of that is kind of personal to me because I have a sibling who is not really in my life or has never really been in my life um for most of my life because he's dealt with drug issues and been in and out of you know correctional facilities for like decades now and so that part of the story I know really well where like you know the promises of being you know returning and then that doesn't happen and something else happens you don't quite know why it you know fell apart but all you know is it fell apart because shit's always falling apart with them (laughs) and they just can't ever quite get it right and so um that part I do know I can say is is personal from a sibling standpoint. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the waiting for the perfect time was one of the hardest hitting parts of the story for me because the mother, you know, I want to make things perfect. It has to be perfect, and then you yeah. realize that the only time there there is is right now because if that's the only time you have. So by the time she came around to it and she finally showed up to to get back to her her children the way that hit hit harder it was i kept trying to make it perfect i kept trying to find that that moment um even even the reconciliation scene with her and her mom when her mom just hugged her it was you know you you mad you real mad big mad but this is the apology you're going to get this is what you've been waiting for give me all your blame give me all your pain i'm sorry i couldn't take it earlier it was the only time we have is now and it was it was it was beautiful um and the uncle, oh my gosh, when he gave her the beer the first time he met her, I was like, ah, oh, pedophile. Uh, and I felt I felt immediately <laughs> upset. Like it was, yes. these are the guys, the ones that are your friends. These are the, the ones that, you know, people trust, but kind of don't want to trust around you. Right. Um, right. And that, that goes right back to growing up in an, an African-American two-parent household. I wasn't allowed to hang around cousins or uncles or spend the night Mm. out or those things were just taboo and I never realized why until things happened to others in my community and it was like my father was like you can't trust anybody you know like we can't it's unfortunate this happens but as as soon as as soon as he came in the picture and he was just so cool it was 
Oh, golly. And I was hoping more of an affair. <laughs> I was hoping it would be an affair more than an assault. Um, yeah. But as as the story progressed, it was, oh, he's he's one of those, you know, maybe 27-year-olds who thinks that waiting for an 18-year-old to turn 18 is normal. And right. Right. <laughs> It, but you get that feeling, you get that that lurch in your stomach that well, mm-hmm. this one's not. Um, but even even the parenting stuff, the he's not the kid's dad, and you know it was even that I I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen in real time, and I've seen it happen the same way. So it was how did how did Monica get in my head this deep? Um, so so <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's yeah I I can't I don't know how you packed so much. I want to ask one other question really um uh-huh. is there another chapter to lavender story or will the stories you tell after this dies down be different stories um in in my mind this is i wanted to end uh lavender story here on like an open-ended but positive note where you feel like she's her eyes are open a bit and she's more open to the world and everything. Um, mm-hmm. She may still not be perfect, but it's, it's a journey and she's at least, you know, seeing that journey now and willing to, you know, take it. I would think, and I've asked people like, do you want to know the background of the sisters? Like what oh, really started yeah. that? you know, animosity and mm. the back and forth between them. Cause I, I don't give it all, you know, I give a little bit, but I don't write like really give it all. So I don't know. I if would I think he's there, but I don't know if I can read a whole book with, uh, what was her name? Catherine, Catherine, um, and Elizabeth, Catherine yeah. And Elizabeth. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I could, I, I don't know if I could get through that whole book because I understand that too. Um, being the sister that left, <laughs> <laughs> being the yeah. assistant that left while the other one had to stay and, and take care of things. Um, yeah. So that would be another difficult and intimate situation that I would have to face through somebody else's work. Um, did you ever toy with the idea of Lavender being an addict like her mother and having to grapple with that in herself? Or was she always just going to kind of dabble but never fall all the way in because of her mother? That last part you said, like Lavender... Um, and that's a, another thing that I was trying to like display is that people all the time, that's something I always say is that people can't give what they never had. And mm. so, you know, Lavender despised her mom and was like, I'll never be that. I'll never be like that. But, blah, blah. but th- she just ended up being that anyway, because that's what she knew. <laughs> like that's yeah. that was what was around her and that's all she knew. But she was still adamant about checking herself to not e- exactly spiral in the way that her mom did. So it's like, you know, she she still, I guess you would say, became an addict of overindulging in you know, weed or drinking and, mm-hmm. and sex but never like the harder stuff because even in her words, she was just like, you know, that that's just too close to, that's too close to my mama. You know, I'll, I'll do a line here or there. I may do a little coding with, with Caesar when I want to have fun, but no, you know, I'm better than my mama. I'll never go that way or whatever. But, you know, she still had, obviously had her issues <laughs> in trying to write herself or get on the right path. So. Mm. 
But a uh, secondary question to that, would Lavender ever be a mother? And what type of mother would she make if she had a child that she didn't want to have? These are excellent questions, Jess. And you're really <laughs> um, making my wheels have to spin. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like motherhood would probably be a struggle for Lavender unless she had this child with Chris or someone who is very stable, <laughs> mm. very stable and loving and understands the struggles and the journey and has the patience. And Chris could potentially be that person. Um, not everybody is like that, though. You know what I'm saying? Chris sure. potentially be that to like fill in the gap when Lavender is just like, you know, she's going to go through her mental stages and depression and, you know, I'm not good enough. I ain't, I'm not shit. And he's there, you know, to kind of hold that up. So, you know, the whole book or at the end of the book where she's asked that and she was like, nah, I would never want kids because like, why, what would I do with kids? Um, mm. I think when she, when, or if she's able to get that stability, she probably could revisit that idea. Okay. Maybe it's Chris. I don't know. <laughs> I was scared it was going to be Caesar. That's that. That was the part of the book Ooh, that I no. swore up and down. I was going to predict. I was like, it's going to be Caesar. She's going to have a, a child that she don't want to raise with him. And oh gosh, what's going to happen? So the the fact that it didn't go that route was beautiful. Um, but yeah, that was that was the biggest thing for me. I was like, oh, what kind of mother would she make? What kind of she's been a mother whole her whole life to people she had no choice but to mother um so what happens when you raised your brother and you raised yourself and you, now you got to and, and your to aunt to a degree after yes after the situation yes. yeah yeah the aunt that you couldn't circle. stand yep <laughs> yeah yes. it's always that one it is always the aunt that you can stand. it's always that one that you have to come to terms with so right yeah right so um are y'all have any more questions because i had a couple yeah. of questions <laughs> Y'all good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go um, ahead, Mimi. I was gonna ask, and and y'all probably have answered this somewhat. Like, who, which characters, who you don't like, or you 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 know maybe despise, but you can at least empathize with and relate to. Like, who would who would they be? Like, I know that they would typically be the antagonist, or I hate them, or whatever. But I see this. I see their point in this or I see uh, where they're coming from or how they arrived at the attitude or the position they have. Like, who would that be? Except for the uncle. I'm sure nobody is going to ever be on his side, but some of the other characters. He would be hard to have empathy for. Right. Um, I think I could empathize with the sister-in-law. Um, just from the aspect of like, I don't think that Lavender, you know, deserved to be kicked out. And, um, but I can empathize with that feeling of wanting to protect your family and feeling like, you know, there's maybe this thing that is, um, encroaching on that safety, you know, with, uh, drugs and drinking and being out all night. And that maybe doesn't feel like the stable home that you want your family to grow up in. And, um, 
So I can empathize with that piece of it. Okay. Even though um, I didn't like the outcome. Same, same. I I think it was it was hard too for me. Um, but also, um, at sometimes I felt the dad was the villain before he died. We didn't get a lot of time mm. with him, but right. you know, you you're micro dosing this woman because you're in control of that addiction uh-huh. is still just as manipulative as if you sold her the drugs yourself. Um, I understand, you know, you love a person, you want them to get better. Um, but he went the wrong direction with mm-hmm. it. Had he stayed longer, he would have understood just like her children did that it was fruitless. And, and, and there was nothing he could have done to have kept her off out of those, those murky streets. Um, but I, I didn't like that part of him. And it was everything else was he loved his children. He provided for his family. Um, he tried to keep those dark parts away from his children. And that makes sense for fatherhood. But when we got to the point of, I don't want her in those streets. I don't want her in those alleys. No, when you're addicted to something, you know, you're going to take any avenue to get to it. And then if she has to hide it from you because she knows you don't want her out there, it's going to get worse wow. and worse and worse. Um, so I, I, I could empathize with his motives, but I couldn't empathize with the actions he took to, to get her to stay. Um, you're never going to force somebody to do better it has to come in their own time so that yes. would blew up in his face had he not died he still would have lost her uh so he was the other one it was he was on the, i was on the fence with him it was mm, i don't know about this guy the, the guys in the story <laughs> kind of let me down <laughs> yeah, so. as they as they often do in life I'm only like I say, I, but I I think even the chapter that uh just mentioned, I think the title of it being antihero, um, yeah. and, and then I think um what was the title? The title was the Ella Fitzgerald song, but I, I even think the title being antihero and uh the title song being well oh summertime by Ella Fitzgerald, but more like Ella and understand her struggle with drugs um <clears throat> and like you say. Antihero really kind of surmises that whole entire situation with him and his wife. He, he thinks he's helping her, but he's really probably her greatest, I guess, enabler. Yes, yeah. that well, word. The, the codependency, yes, too. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that was a really real thing for him, was being that codependent person who was not help, like, like you just said, like not helping her at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that was tough for sure. And, and I think he was a, coming around to understanding that because he, you know, right before the incident, he was like, you know, let's just try to try a real, real rehab. Yeah. Significant yeah. rehab or whatever. Exactly. You closed up the chapter saying like he knew that was a lie and that it wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but again, that, part I'm familiar with at least with my you know my brother and it's it's a hard it's a hard thing and it's a a decades long thing it can be a decades long thing it's been a decades long thing with my brother um and so and and especially if you don't really have the right people around you or you or you continue to stay in the same surroundings so yeah yeah 
Yeah, I wonder how she would have been in Alabama if she would have gone two summers after her kids left her. Like, you know, would that have been a, would she have found a Caesar? Would she had still been in those merch clubs? <laughs> you know what I mean? So she would have found yeah. someone to enable her. So even that is, it had to happen on its own time. It was, right. it made, it made so much sense. Um, yeah. Um, so who was y'all's favorite character? But I mean, uh, maybe besides Lavender, I'm assuming Lavender. It's, Lavender may not be y'all's favorite. Who was your favorite character? <laughs> My favorite was CJ, actually. Um, <laughs> he was the only one. boy's name, right? That's a little boy, right? Right, right. Yeah, He's the no. only wholesome one. <laughs> he was, yes, in, in his innocence and in his love and his, his, it was beautiful. I, like, he was the only person in the book that happened to be a male um, that did no wrong that that offered pure um unaltered love that expected what he saw from his elders and expected that all the time no matter what was going on he was the only sane person in there um but a back a backup to him would would have been um mary the the grandma um yeah. because she just took that I'm going to save every child and every child of my child's until I can't anymore and that is something that every grandmother I've ever had, the ones that I was born to, and the ones that took me in, um, they they protect uh, more so than the direct mothers in some cases in some households. But the grandma, uh, she was my favorite because she did what had to be done. Um, and she still made sure those children got what they needed. And yeah, but CJ, CJ won. It was like, he going to be the next guitar <laughs> player. He going he to play by ear. He's, yes, I don't even care if the, the newborn is it likes her or not? Nope, it's CJ. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's the grandmother is hard to hard to beat in terms of favorite characters. Loves Lavender, but the grandmother just felt so. Um, I mean, she really was a replacement mother for Lavender and her brother, and she you just felt her warmth and her love for them, and um, that she would do anything for them, and. I mean, just, I, I think I thought about it even just from like, I was like, how, you know, I don't know how old she is, but you know, she's in her maybe fifties or sixties and she's bringing these going all the way up there and bringing these kids down and, um, you know, making space in her home for them while she's also working. And I mean, she's already mothered her children and now she's starting over again in a, in a sense so that her daughter can get her stuff together. Um, and probably, I mean, to think about her love for her daughter and to see her struggle so much was probably also incredibly hard for her. Um, I would imagine it was as much, you know, we kind of focus on in the book, this disappointment that the children are feeling and Lavender kind of checks out at a certain early on earlier than her brother. But I think the mother, we don't, I, I guess I didn't think about that till just now that the mother, the grandmother probably really struggled with her daughter not being able to get it together mm -hmm. yeah 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 but you know yeah. like like grandmothers they go with the task at hand like i gotta take care of these children i got yes. another daughter out here wilding out <laughs> yeah. so, you know what elizabeth is a whole other thing yeah um yeah honestly elizabeth as twisted as it seems Kind of became one of my favorites <laughs> just because she, uh, 
I think eventually you understand two things happen. You understand that uh, she was the daughter who stayed Mm -hmm. um, and was responsible. And plus, she probably always had a little bit of that chemical imbalance going on. (laughs) But but it really, she really broke at a certain point. And then you kind of understand her perspective to a degree. And you see her gradually softening in her own way. Like she always is kind is kind of an antagonist and a smart mouth and had and and like top tier shit talker, but <laughs> you still see her soften in a in a way gradually towards them. Um, and it may seem self serving often, um, and it could have been, but she also you know could have just been like you know if y'all fuck y'all like whatever, but she yeah. didn't at, at certain points so. That's just me. I'm also the person who uh, started having a soft spot for Cersei Lannister. So don't listen to me. <laughs> I was like, I understand Cersei. Now she was she was a bitch. She was a bitch. But I understand Cersei's point of view. So yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. That ends, I think, our spoiler section. I want to thank um, Monica McCullough for agreeing to to do this as a podcast episode for Four Layered Takes. I want to thank Jess and Christina for joining and giving all your brilliant insight and energy and enthusiasm around the book. Mimi is our friend, and so we want to make sure that you know, she gets her shine for all this. Marcus kept pointing out all the years of labor. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that um, put in. So, I want to uh, let Christina and just, uh, you know, shout out anything they got going on, especially Christina, because the organization she works with ties in a lot with some of the themes in my story and some of the issues a lot of young people are going through and overcoming trauma and whatnot. So shout out your organization real quick, Christine. Yeah. Thanks for letting me do that. Um, I am the director at the Alabama campaign for adolescent sexual health. So we work um, on advancing comprehensive sex ed in the state. Um, Something that Dear Lavender definitely could have um, benefited from (laughs) um, engaging in in sexual activity so young. Um, And really, I mean, anybody that engages in sexual activity needs that knowledge and those skills to protect themselves from an unplanned pregnancy or STIs, HIV, um, but also to know what a healthy relationship looks like and understand consent. Um, You know, it's it's interesting to think about what, you know, that situation with her uncle, um, who wasn't her uncle, but um, would have looked like if she had, you know, had some of that consent education or known, you know, that this is not what an adult, a safe adult looks like. Um, And so how that might have changed and how maybe she wouldn't have felt so ashamed. That was something that really stuck out to me was her shame over something that was not her fault at all. But I think that as a society, that's, oftentimes how not just young women, young men too, um, 
are made to feel when they um, are abused. And so anyway, that's part of our work too. Um, and Monica asked me to talk about specifically, um, we, we are doing some work with youth, youth advisory councils. So we're bringing in young people together um, in smallish groups, like 15 to 20, and working with them in those smaller cohorts um, so that they can learn from one another, but also that they can use their voice to talk about the things that matter to them and to make a, an impact um, through our organization. Um, so we're doing that in, in a couple different projects right now. Um, we also provide a ton of resources. You can find us on um, online at alabamacampaign.org or you know, search for us on any of the socials. Um, you should be able to find us. We're not on TikTok, but we're on most of the other major ones. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. But um, again, thanks so much for giving me the platform to just shout us out a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful anything? cause. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Christina, that's a beautiful cause to support. So I'll definitely check it out. And next time yeah, I'm in Alabama, you know, uh, yeah. if you have a rally or something, I'll definitely show up. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I am an author um, by passion and by profession. Um, I, I write for the man uh, in the daytime. Uh, <laughs> and I write for myself <laughs> at night. Um so uh, currently, I don't have any books that I'm promoting or anything. If you want to find me on social media, it's Jay Reese on almost every platform. That's J-A-Y-R-E-A-S-E. Um, Jessica S. Carter, if you're looking for one of my books, I, too, sell on Amazon. Um, the man. Uh, <laughs> as, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, um, as of right now, I'm trying to read as much as I can um, to to better my own craft. So I'm always down for, for book recommendations and, and such. Uh, but but congrats, Monica. Um, this was beautiful. And I'm, I'm really glad you included me on the, the journey. Um, you executed well in that playlist. It's still, still rocking on my on my uh, my iPhone. So I dig it. Well, thank you. I definitely have to put it back up on social then. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please do, because I don't have it. Okay, I, I will do that. <laughs> awesome. So one more time for everyone in the cheap seats. Monica <laughs> McCullough, where can people find the book, the playlist, the artwork, any upcoming events, book signings, all the things? Where can people find you? Okay, you can get the book and the artwork at monicamccullough.com and that's uh, M-O-N-I-C-A-M-C-C-O-L-L-O-U-G-H. We spell McCullough with a, a, an O here instead of a U, which is the typical way. So monicamccullough.com. Um, you can get a signed copy of the book there. The artwork is at the shop, at, on my shop, the store there. Um, you can also get it on Amazon ebook and paperback like i said um it's a little bit cheaper because i don't have the 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 wherewithal and the factories and stuff that jeff bezos has but it's not signed there so um but either way (laughs) you can get it and um you can follow me at um at moni underscore uh shy writer so that's m-o-n-i underscore shy as in shy because i am an introvert which is why i got so many damn aliases um, so Moni <laughs> or Shy Rider 
that's on Instagram and that's on TikTok. Um, I, you know, I'll throw a couple of TikTok videos together once. And also that's where, you know, I'll put up the playlist again, definitely put it back up on Instagram. Cause I don't know if I ever put it on Instagram, but I think I put it on um, TikTok, but I'll definitely put the playlist slash soundtrack, whatever you call it back up so you can cop it. And, and I'm should be having a, another book signing here in Atlanta uh, soon at, uh, Black Coffee Atlanta. It's probably where it will be, but it'll probably be in November, early November. So if you follow me, you know, on social media, I'll definitely post that up so that you can come through. It's a dope coffee shop and I'll be happy to sign and all that stuff. So And pick up prints. Yes, and pick up prints and hug and kiss the babies and whatever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, thank you all for again joining us for an episode of Four Layer Takes and our episode for Songs of Lost Things, Sonata for the Sun, a novel by our very own Mimi, aka Monica McCullough. That's it. <laughs> Bye. That's it. Bye. 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 Deuces. <laughs>